This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal. Welcome to the Action and Ambition Podcast. I'm your host today, Chase Geyser, and with us, we have a very special guest. Apprentice Watson, a Chicago native, is an avid skier, baseball coach, and single father of two sons. He founded a hard money lending firm during the COVID quarantine, Breeclaw Capital. Breeclaw Capital has been designed from the onset to lend for today's ever-changing real estate investors' needs. Al, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the Action and Ambition Podcast. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Chase? I'm doing well. So one of the questions I'd love to ask entrepreneurs on this podcast to start is where was your head at when you were 18? When I was 18, let's see, I was 18 and I was a senior in college, probably a little afraid about what was next because I was so young. Uh, I was an engineering major and I did not really know what to do on my next step of life uh, upon graduation. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into hard money lending business? Then? <laughs> well, um, during the quarantine was probably the best time in my life for me because it allowed, you know, aside of the sickness and the illnesses that came about, it allowed me to stop and really think about my second half of my life. And um, uh, while I was thinking, I wanted to know what do I want to do going forward? Uh, I thought of a couple of things. I actually started a couple of little businesses, didn't really fit. And then eventually I said, you know, I was a real estate investor and I was always in awe with the guy who provided the money. And I said to myself, I want to be that guy. So I, I decided that day that I wanted to become a lender. Uh, I got trained. I connected with some capital partners and here I am. Wow. So what's the process like for that? You know, if I decided today that I wanted to be a lender, my first thought would be, what, where am I going to get the money to lend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, fortunately, with the training that I received, uh, it kind of gave me some direction on um, where to find capital partners, how to find capital partners, how to find the right capital partners to um, to start your business. And that's what I did. Wow. So. It's interesting to me. I'm not familiar with the way this business is set up. If if you're going to be a source of capital for for people in this industry, then you, you have to partner with the right lender. So they lend to you and then you use that money to lend uh, well, uh, to it, clients? It, or it work? Yeah, it, it, it works like that. Also, you can get approved for your own line. And then uh, under their guidelines, they provide the money for you and you can lend your own money as well. Well, the money that has been allocated to lend through you. I see. So what was it like starting a business in this space during a pandemic right before interest rates were about to go up? I mean, this is a crazy time. I was excited. Um, I did not allow the environment to affect me. Um, I said, I'm going to affect the environment. And I pursued because investors are always investing. It rates up, rates down. It's just what your exit strategy is. When the rates are down, demand is typically up, then typically investors rehab and sell. When the rates are a little higher, 
the demand to purchase properties are a little lower, they typically rent. So during that time, they, I, I think that investors are learning not to be afraid of times anymore, and they're buying no matter what. They're not going to miss another dip in the market. They want to buy. Mm. Well, and pardon my ignorance, but what is the difference between hard money lending versus other types of lending? Well, hard money lending is for investors only. So okay. we can only lend to you know investors for investment properties. They cannot live in the property. Hmm. Uh, you know, bank bank lending can lend to um, to investors, but they more specialize in homeowners. Okay, that makes sense. And tell me a little bit about the first clients that you were able to get after you got started. I mean, this is an exciting new business for you. It's sort of a new industry. Do you remember your first deal? I, I do. I do. Um, I, I, my first deal um, came about a buddy of mine who was a contractor, and he was sending me pictures of his work that he was doing for other clients. And I had known this guy since we were, oh gosh, teenagers. And I said, hey, man, go look at this website right here. And he said, you're doing this now? I said, yep. He said, I have some clients for you because uh, they can't find any money. You're lending now. So I'm lending now. Money's ready to go. And he introduced me to some clients. Uh, we got them funded. And that's how I got my first deal. Wow. And so was that sort of the moment that you were like, okay, this is actually going to work? I knew it was going to work from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't know how that first client was coming. I was always confident that I was going to generate business for this new company. That was not an issue with me. Uh, I, I knew I know the space because I was an investor at one time. I know the lingo. I know the thought process. I know the mindset. I knew it was just a matter of time before I got to the in front of the right person to uh, start generating business. Mm, that makes sense. So are you still based in Chicago? I am. I am. I grew up in Bloomington, Illinois. I'm not sure if you're familiar, a couple hours south. That is color because I went to uh, Bradley in, in Peoria. So you Peoria, know exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to college parties at Bradley. It's a good time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you studied engineering. Did you graduate with an engineering degree? Or did. Did you pivot? Okay. And did I you ever use it? I graduated with an electrical engineering degree. And my first job I got was with uh, General Motors, by the way. Uh, I worked yeah. I worked in their locomotive division. So I was I would go out on what was called the Virgin Trip, which was the first trip after the locomotive was built. And I would ride on it. It was a miserable job because you're sitting in a locomotive for hours and hours and hours. I would just to make sure everything was working okay. That's right. That's right. They wanted to make sure they had. I, I was kind of, you know, if anything went wrong, I would fix it on site. Um, I had my Walkman with me. I had my my books with me. My <laughs> and I would do push-ups and sit-ups. <laughs> you know, I was in you like know, a was, mobile prison sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was miserable. I mean, it was really miserable. <laughs> But, yeah, but I've used that opportunity to learn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, coming out of college, you're making a good amount of money. And and uh, it was a great job. I got to travel a lot. It was pretty cool because they would fly you back on the weekends or you could fly a friend down to you wherever you were. So, it, it you know, it was it was a great learning experience. Mm. And what did you do first thing after working at GM? What did I do after working at GM? Um Interesting. Uh, so my 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 family is an entrepreneurial family, mm -hmm. and my uh, my parents own a catering company, uh, and they were awarded a contract, a food service contract, to run a cafeteria at one of the colleges in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And they said, "Hey, do you want to do it?" 
And I said, sure, why not? And I was instantly a food service director after being an electrical engineer. Wow. It's, it's funny. You know, uh, I remember I was, I was in college and I was making a drive back from Nashville to Bloomington, about six hour drive. And okay. I'd listened to the radio uh, back when NPR was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it was um, sort of right 2010, 2011. So we were coming, we were still in the recession, but sort of coming out of it. And they featured this guest on NPR and it was this kid who had like an economics degree, hyper-educated, and he couldn't find a job after he graduated, no matter how hard he tried. So what he did was he got a different job in a different state and he would work a different job every week in a different state. Um, just, sort, you know, one state, it would be like he was, you know, cutting down trees, sort of like manual labor jobs. And he did it so that he could write a book. And so the, it w- the whole point of the book was, you know, he was able to get 50 jobs in 50 states, but not in the field that he majored in. Wow. And he said something like it was some astronomical number of people. It's like 90% of people who graduate from college get a career in a field that they did not study. And yeah. that really actually inspired me because it made me realize it's less important what you study in college than it is like sort of how you hustle in the real world. Right. So you had this engineering degree, you had an engineering job for a short period of time, but then very quickly kind of went into an entrepreneurial role with, yes, with the family yes. business. Yep. That is correct. That is correct. Okay. Yeah. So what did you do after your uh, catering role? Um, so that led up into the point of quarantine. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I was a little burned out in the food service industry. Sure. And that's when I kind of determined what am I going to do in my second half of my life? Wow. So you made this decision to get, um, so what, what would you say is something that you know now that you wish you would have known when you started down the, the Brecaw capital path? Wow. Ah, <laughs> um, you're going to make mistakes. Mm. You have to be so careful with mistakes because it can, it can really hurt a deal. Um, I am, I am I am an optimist, and I and I need to kind of bring it down a little bit to be a little more neutral because my energy brings energy to the client, good or bad deal sometimes. So I've learned now kind of stay a little cooler, a little calmer uh, mm. when you because I get so excited because I'm I'm an I was an investor and I know how fun it is to get that property, to get the money, to get it fixed and get it sold, to get it rented. So I, I'm I'm learning to stay a little more mellow through the whole process. Have you hired any employees yet, or is it a one-man show so far? Uh, I, I have one processor, and I'm actually interviewing next week for um, transaction coordinator because I just can't do it all, and I don't want to do it all. What was it like making the decision to hire your first employee? So my first staff member was brought to me uh, on a training basis they were trying it it was through an employment agency Mm -hmm. and they wanted to see if they can enter if they have staffing that can enter into the private lending market and i was the guinea pig so they actually gave her to me for free for the first 30 days and the month prior i was on the fence yes no yes no yes no yes no but when they offered her free for the first 30 days that was clear. Yes. So it was pretty easy with the first staff member training her. I put about, I put a lot of time, a lot of energy and effort to training her and she's still with me today. Wow. 
that's been the hardest thing for me as a small business owner is making the decision to let go when I need to let go. It's really hard, especially when you're sort of in the beginning of a business and you're in that sweet spot of not having enough money to hire someone, but also needing to hire someone to make more money. <laughs> it's such a tricky spot. And so, so good on you for figuring that out. You, you, you know, when you're up to elbows in work, you say, yeah, I need help. When the phone stopped ringing, you're like, "Ooh, I'm glad I didn't hire anybody. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, man. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. So how, how has the business changed since you started during the pandemic? It has grown so much. Um, the uh, Last year was an extremely interesting year as a private lender. Uh, it was a market. It was a year for both investors. In the beginning of 2022, you could sell, you could pre-list a house and have 10 offers, three of them sight unseen over asking price. Hmm. And that drastically changed to the new market that we're in right now, where now you fix up your property. And sometimes my people have about 20 to 30 rental applications in on a property now. They're having a harder time selling it. If you're gonna sell, you're gonna have to wait a little longer. Hmm. Um, but now renting, there's a shortage. And people are dying for rental homes now. Mm. So is that just the nature of the business in Chicago? Because I live in a, a, a fairly new neighborhood here in Austin, Texas. And there are a lot of people that are selling their homes, which actually surprises me because of you know the interest rates. And a lot of these people just moved in a couple of years ago. But the houses here are, are going within seven days. So I, I would say this, that the market is slowly getting back to selling, even with the higher interest rates. I think people are mm -hmm. settling in mentally. Um, with the higher interest rates, there's still a housing shortage. Uh, here in this market, I would say it's taking a little longer to sell. They are selling, but you know, not seven days. Seven days in Chicago are gone that I know of, that I've experienced. Yeah. So where do you see the business going over the next three years or so? Where would you see it by 2025, let's say? I think we're going to get back into a, a um, it, it, you know, real estate is cyclical. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe that it's going to get back into a seller's market. I believe interest rates are going to go back down again. Not maybe not necessarily down to when we were lending at the three point, the three percent, four percent. But I think it'll probably stabilize around the five to six percent on the investment side. Mm -hmm. um, it you know it's you just have to be prepared for the market. So hopefully another pandemic doesn't happen. I don't know if the world can handle that. Absolutely. So what are your what are your goals for your business specifically by 2025? Do you have like uh, an idea of how much staff you'd like, whether you'd like to branch into other markets, things like that? You know, um, what I love about private lending that leads to that answer is it is truly helping people grow, helping people gain money, helping people um, get access to their dreams. I, I, the majority of my people, and, and I feel this, that real estate is just a tool to get to what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I don't, the majority of them, I don't think need to do real estate to do it. The real estate is not what they should be doing. I think it's just a tool to get them to what they're here to do on this planet. Uh, so I would say, you know, my, my guess is in about three to five years on my end, uh, barring any major catastrophes, I'm looking to have about four staff members, tops, maybe five. Uh, to where I'm more out of the picture as far as the operations and they're more handling the client and I'm more involved in generating the leads and the business for the company. 
you know, there's a lot of talk about just among different influencers about investment strategies and retirement strategies. And for a very long time, the wisdom of the market or the wisdom of the industry in terms of investments was invest in an index fund. And despite the ups and downs, you're going to be on top by the time that you retire. But we see things like, um, you know, drops in, 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 in the market, drastic drops in the market, uh, right as people are retiring and things like that, that can be mm-hmm. kind of scary. And so would you say that real estate is one of the best safeguards in terms of actually preparing for financial prosperity by the time one retires? You know, um, real estate is always and will always be a solid investment. It should be a part of your portfolio. Uh, I'm a little little more favorable to real estate than other investments. Not that I don't engage in other investments, but I do believe that real estate, if you're looking for a cash flow, I think flipping, uh, I think you can only flip so much. I think you need to think about more so long-term asset hold. Uh, Flipping Mm -hmm. in the beginning, highly recommended. Uh, Matter of fact, I talk to my investors all the time. So you get to a certain amount, then let's start thinking about holding. But now the markets have changed. So that philosophy has kind of changed. But I think in the long term, you can't go wrong with real estate, even in the dips, because if you're talking 10, 15, 20 years, even if it dips in 20 years, it's still not going to dip to when you purchase the property 20 years if you're looking for it. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's um, that's absolutely fascinating. Where can people find you and follow you as well as do business with you? Well, my, my website is uh, breeclawlenders.com, B-R-E-C-L-A-W, lenders with an S.com. I am on Facebook under Breeclaw. Uh, I'm learning. I'm learning right now how to get on Instagram. Uh, so <laughs> if you're looking to follow me, that would be kind of impressive on my end because I don't I haven't quite figured it out. But sure. uh, you, you can, you know, if you have a deal, go to my website, put, you know, put your information in and, and we will definitely contact you about uh, your deal and see what we, how we can help you. Mm, absolutely. That makes sense. So tell me a little bit before we, before we end the conversation, I want to hear a little bit about what the difference is when working with Bree Claw versus other hard money lenders in this space. What, what sort of makes you the right decision over some competitors? Um. I have a wide array of capital partners that can pretty much do almost any deal that comes through where when you're dealing sometimes, um, sometimes every, everybody has their niche in the market. And what people don't understand is that let's say I'm going to ABC lender and they can't get the deal done or they tell me they can get the deal done. They can't get the deal done. It wasn't really their niche. And they're not going to really tell you that until later in the game when it's, you know, when it's like close to closing time. We've been fortunate to um, to analyze the different type of deals that are out there and create lines for those particular deals, uh, which has really been a blessing for us because we, we're able to close in the high 90s of our deals. You know, if it doesn't make sense in the beginning, we tell you immediately that deal is not going to make any sense. But if it makes sense, then everything you say, we can validate it. We close at, at a very high rate here. That makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the Action and Ambition podcast. And I hope you'll come back and join us again after some time passes and keep us updated as to how things are going. All right, Chase Lane. You, you let me know when you get a, a staff member. Is that a deal? <laughs> That's a deal, man. I'll, I'll reach out <laughs> to you right away. Okay, sounds good.
All right, man. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode.